Hello, Stein here. Just wanted to come in at the start of this episode and let you know that there was a technical error while recording, which has led to some digital background noise being uh, very constant throughout the episode. We are very sorry about this, and we hope to fix it in for future recordings, but uh, there was no way to successfully remove it from this recording. So if you hear a repetitive digital noise throughout the episode, it is uh, not an issue with your player or your headphones. Please enjoy uh, regardless. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing, they car crashing. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubblegum. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome back to All Out of Bubblegum, the podcast. This is part five. We are doing a double feature of horror action movies from the Shaw Brothers studio, The Oily Maniac, and The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. So, with me are, again, Martin and Stein. Hello. Good day. So, let's just jump in on this first one, The Oily Maniac, 1976. Yeah. And it's uh, actually tying right back into the previous episode because it's directed by Meng Hua Ho, who did, I think, four yep. Ching Pei Pei movies, including uh, Lady Hermit and uh, Princess Iron Fan. And now he's back with The Oily Maniac. One of his, his well, most of his famous, most famous Shaw Brothers movies are actually all kind of horror ones. Because he did uh, Mighty Pecking Man and Black Magic 1 and 2 also. And the one we're talking about today. Is this, is this, a, uh, is this a winner for you? A what? A winner. You like it. You love it. The Oily Maniac? Yeah, I had yeah. a great time with the Oily, oily Maniac. So. I could not stop laughing. This was <laughs> a fantastic movie. Every single choice was hysterical to me. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, just even from the beginning when, you know, the, the, uh, his dad's in prison. It's his uncle. And, uh, his uncle. And, uh, the, the, Is the it judge. his uncle, though? Well, he calls the him giant... uncle. and a... That's that's a, a normal nickname when... for people, right, in China? Yeah, it might it might be a uh, informal yeah. like because then later he kisses uh, his niece and wants to marry her as well. Okay, if for if, oh, yeah, right. for yeah. the sake of incest, <laughs> let's just assume he's yeah. a family friend who they call uncle. Yes, they call uncle. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this just the great but, scene in the prison when the, the uncle kind of re- re- reveals the whole the setup, which is like, look at my back tattoo, look at my back tattoo. Trace my back to two yep. now, quickly, quickly. This is how your father died. Please 
right down my back tattoo that tells you everything you need to know about <laughs> this family curse. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. But I love the, the deadpan, uh, I, you know, he's about to be executed. <laughs> it's just everything is so sudden in this movie. I love it. Yeah, there's no fat but, uh, on that one. Yeah. So I guess um, what's uh, probably the quickest rundown of the plot, which is that a Danny Lee, who at, he, he kind of becomes somewhat famous uh, later on um, for his roles in like John Woo films and yeah, such. Yeah, well, for those that not in um, know, he's the, he plays the cop that pursues uh, Chai Yun Fat in The Killer. That's like his most famous role. Yeah, he he actually kind of became like a, a somewhat had like a second career in a way in the '80s, um, playing these kind of upright characters. Well, he also plays the, um, he plays the gangster in City on Fire. Uh, that yeah. the Chow Yun Fat befriends basically the 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 what would become the Harvey Keitel part in Reservoir Dogs. He's that one in the original, and he's the he's the 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 upright character in the tragic hero uh, duo duology the tragic hero and rich and famous um but before this the only thing i'd, I'd seen him in was he played bruce lee mm. in the little betty ting peg uh, biopic which uh, bruce lee and i okay that's it's that one of the more uh the subtler Bruce Plotation movie or one of the more exploited yeah. Bruce Plotation movies? People kind of write it off as very exploitative because it was uh, starring Bruce Lee's real-life mistress. Oh. and But she didn't really write it. But I think that she, in a way, tries to right some wrongs with, with the telling of the story. And it's... You know, I, I think it's better than than its reputation would suggest. I actually did a video on it about fifteen years ago, but uh, yeah, it's it's a. I think it's a good one, and I think he makes a good Bruce Lee. But yeah, it's just it's kind of neat to see him go from that to this. Oh, where he plays sorry, this I I just got game. a message on my ear here from Shannon Lee saying that Bruce Lee never had a mistress and only led a very happy family <laughs> life. So that's right. Uh, clearly very fictional. Uh, yes. I also know because he, before he played uh, Oily Maniac, he also played Inframan. I don't know if it's, it's like you see the original Inframan that predate. I, I don't know enough about Inframan, but if it's the 1975 movie is the, like the original Inframan. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's the original one, but it is, uh, it might be the, the first live action because I, I wasn't it like a manga first or something or some kind of comic. It's very possible, but he's the original in man. And then he also played oily maniac uh, right afterwards. So he was sort of like a bit of a costumes guy. Well, I guess, uh, I guess you could look at the oily maniac as a kind of superhero in a way, um, like a dark superhero. Yeah. Well, he becomes, well, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Do we know if he was in the suit? The oil suit? I 
I'm guessing that it was probably uh, Yen Wu Peng or somebody doing the, the stunts there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's any information out on that. So, um, anyways, let's go back and just kind of briefly describe the plot of this film. Uh, Martin, you want to take it? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, well, he told about the quote-unquote uncle in prison. He copies the tattoo onto paper. Um, later, he gets mad because it's crippled. He doesn't like it. And he throws paper around the room, sees the paper he copied the tattoo onto, starts digging a hole in his house, uh, jumps into the oil in the hole, becomes the um, oil monster and goes again after all the bad guys. And that's it, really. Oh, well, yeah, he's, well, he's, he was already crippled before that. They don't yeah. really explain why, he just uses crutches, so it's... Uh, but yeah, think, he's, uh, he owns a oil palm oil refinery or something. I think it's Co coconut, coconut oil. Coconut oil. But he doesn't own it. Well, it was his. Well, he's, it's his uncle's, but it was his dad's. I'm not sure, but they they owe a lot of money to a loan shark, which because they loaned money to finance starting it, I guess. And now the loan sharks want the coconut oil plant back. So the first thing he does, though, um, is he goes and fends off a pair of rapists. Um, there's so much rape stuff in this movie. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I guess we should. I got the warning about uh, how much you uh, enjoy this movie is uh, really based on your tolerance for using uh, rape as a uh, exploitative. Uh, I don't know, entertainment. Yeah, there was a lot more nudity in this than I expected there to be. Which uh, I'm going to also say is true about the, the next film as well. But in this one, just one of those little things that I just thought was so funny. And I don't know why, but after he saves the gal and she's uh, knocked unconscious this entire time and just laying on a bed... While he bashes one guy's head in, he just his little greasy, oily <laughs> hands reach out and just cover her up with a sheet, and I think that's so funny to me. Yeah, it's just incredible. The I, for whatever reason, all the choices in this I thought were so funny, and that was just one of them. But then they they follow that up with a like a he Scooby Doo runs across <laughs> several buildings. <laughs> they speed up the frames, and I was just. Oh, it's dying. And then they go to the police station, and the, the guy is just that that survives. The the other rapist is just there, wigging out, talking about the black and oily ghost. And they haul him off to a mental asylum. And <laughs> <laughs> like that's just a choice. Yeah. I love it. But then they immediately cut to like the newspaper newspaper headlines, and it's like the oily maniac kills this guy, and they're like, so they call him off to the yeah. yeah. They they haul haul him off to the madhouse, but they print it in the paper that like, oh yeah, the oily maniac guy. That's totally real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but then the they do this great segue, where they like then pan down, and oh, there's a there's another rape trial, 
and they go to immediately that court case happening live and it's i'm like that is just fantastic filmmaking right there yeah and just the two witnesses in that case explaining their separate versions of what happened and just like total rashomon effect like like nothing in their two stories are even remotely similar the guy's yeah. like oh no well, i was i was so shy i didn't attempt anything i was really i was almost afraid of sex and then she's like well, that's oh. that leads to the the next bit which was so funny to me was him trying to get out of the house but the door is mysteriously locked and turning around and she's just sitting there like a cover girl model barely covered up with a blanket looking at him like oh yeah. <laughs> oh that's good just the filmmaking in this is so funny well, yeah it really all just feels like they had the idea for this film and they started making it and was like well how do we do the effects and they were like ah we'll figure it out later especially like when the the oily maniac turns liquid and like moves along the ground that is some hilarious effect like you can't even you can't tell if he's flying or like crawling along or whatever it is like cuz there's no no perception of depth or anything this is a ridiculous looking effect oh yeah well they it's just painted onto the frames like a cartoon it's, it seems more like they cut out the oil shape and just put like film of oil underneath <laughs> yeah i mean it's not far from like how it looks i also you know going back to that that scene but just the fact the idea that the door unlocks and unlocks from both sides i, I just you know like i don't know who's coming up with this you know, it's just like a keyhole on either side of that door. And I think that's great. But it's, this is a, I didn't know at first that it was trying to be as funny as it was. But I'm pretty sure it's intentional. Like, this is a really campy movie until they decide to try and turn it into this epic tragedy by the end. By the end. Yeah, it's a really weird kind of turning point. Of when it's like, oh no, actually, this is this is really serious, dark movie now. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll get back to that a bit later when we progress through the film, but it's a weird transition. I didn't really get the sense that it was trying to be funny, bad. I thought it was serious from the get go. I don't know. I mean, just I mean that court case. Uh, you know, it's like 20 minutes in the movie and they're just being as goofy as possible with that. You know, when the when the other version starts up and they have him come out of the, drunkenly come out of the room next door. And I was like, oh, okay. They're just really putting it on. And the guy's playing it so over the top. This is like one of those, you know, dreams for an actor where you get to just play it in every single way play the same role in multiple ways but it has to be sort of over the top because this is the fake story probably most likely yeah, yeah. So which is you know just the detail of her in pigtails and such <laughs> she's not even dressed that she's still dressed all sultry for the trial 
but in her mind or in her story she's sitting there pigtails got this you know cover everything up dress <laughs> it's good it's good yeah i mean it some of the camp has to be intentional because it's just like too too over the top to not be aware of it yeah well how the the uh the, the i think the defense attorney is asking her questions and he's just you know he's going did he touch your breast she's like yes your right one or your left one you know just that <laughs> kind of like there's no freaking way that this is not trying to be funny <laughs> uh, and then turn it around and he's telling every he's chastising everybody else hey this girl was humiliated <laughs> have you have you seen it's always sunny in philadelphia yes the episode where charlie gets molested and they're also in a, like a courtroom and then the guy asks show us on the doll where he touched you and then charlie's <laughs> uncle goes yeah show us show us <laughs> uh, reminds me of that a bit yeah, it is, you know, and it's. I think they're they're kind of milking the same uh, reaction, where it's like, oh, this is this is kind of being funny, even though you know the the scene still plays as if what happens in the scene has consequences. Um, so it's not com entirely flippant, but it's like, oh no, somebody like a comedy writer made this. And, uh, you know, exhibit B for me would be that he attacks a gynecology clinic. Yeah, and then with the, Great scene. With the head stomp in the operation room, that's just yeah. straight out of, uh, like, a trauma movie almost. Really reminded yeah. me of the, the Toxic Avenger. Well, this whole thing had those vibes, you know, just looking at that trashy costume. Yeah, because well, that was the thing, because I thought this was going to be a little bit more, you know, uh, Swamp Thing or Toxic Avenger, but uh, in that, like, once he becomes the oily maniac, he remains the oily maniac. But it's not. It's more like a... I don't know what to describe it as. Like, he needs to transform into the oily maniac several times, and every time he he wants to do that, he... He need he's required to cover himself entirely from head to toe in oil. Yeah, well, <laughs> when he goes to the station, yeah, and he's just pouring petrol over himself. This, oh, this is fantastic. It's a great scene. Yeah, or when he stops the road crew and he just submerges himself in like a barrel of boiling hot oil. <laughs> It'd be so great if it turns out oh it wasn't oil and he's just emerges with like third degree burns all over his body <laughs> covered in tar yeah and it doesn't even really uh, matter what kind of oil because he does it with the coconut oil later yeah yeah, yeah. you're like why did you do it the the worst possible way <laughs> yeah also just if there's an oil well under his house why don't he just you know dig that oil and just make money of it instead clearly there's an oil well under his house he just digs through his kitchen floor like for six feet and <laughs> finds oil it's the weirdest version of john wick <laughs> yeah because that's weird as well because usually these uh like what curses 
require an incantation or a magical stone or whatever. But here it's just like, no, 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 dig a hole in the center of your house. Yeah. And that's it. Well, apparently it's like a family curse th thing. Yeah. Because like, he says that... So maybe the oil follows them around like in Poltergeist. Something like that. Like, because he says, the uncle says that his dad had an exorcism for it, and that's how he died or something? I don't know. I mean, that's not something. We never see that anyway. It's just anecdotal evidence, but begs the question why was there never like a son of the oily maniac like Shaw Brothers was sleeping on this one I get those sequels <laughs> out there I would watch uh, five six sequels to this one I would have loved to have seen more of these because it is it, it, it's so funny it's it reminds me of um, Dark Man in a way a bit yeah like the vibe of it where you're like this is really silly but it kind of works and well, in, in, in what it's trying to be and what it is uh, kind of work. Well, if you want to watch more of these, there are, this one is actually sort of a remake of a Malaysian film. It's based on a, a Malaysian like folk tale. <clears throat> and it's based, this one is, is based on like a, it's called curse of the oily man from 1956. I don't know how hard it is to find, but I did learn that it is it was also produced by Run Run Shaw, like this one. It's one of the very first oh. movies that Run Run Shaw ever produced. It was over in Malaysia. It was another version of this one. It's just the guy is uh, has a hunch instead of a limp. And uh, apparently uh. they've made several adaptations of that story over in Malaysia including one from as recent as 2012 actually and there it's called wow. orang minyak i don't know how you pronounce that exactly all right well it's a whole different kind of thing uh over there i guess it's a whole series and this one's set it's in malaysia as well yeah <laughs> well it's also set in the 60s yeah well, oh it's it's a sort of a period piece yeah, I, I mean it's like nine years earlier or something. I but, don't yeah. know why you would do that, but yeah, they just it's a it's a choice. Hmm. But yeah, um, after the oily maniac uh, goes, or I guess Danny Lee, he's still in the uh, the trial, but he he gets all mad at the at the girl for faking being raped, and then goes to this gal's house that he's but infatuated with. I, w and, I was wondering, though, how does he know that she's lying? That she fakes it? Yeah. That she faked it? Oh, because, well, first she kind of is chuckling in the courtroom, and he, you know, he's giving her a little side eye. But when they leave, she's just admitting everything to, like, her friend. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's just pissed, and he goes to okay. the, his... Uh, what would be his love interest house, but then the movie pulls a rug out from under us and shows that she just has a whole other guy that just shows up and starts making out with her, like right in front of him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never seen this guy before, as far as I remember, but the guy just no, shows no, up. No, no, he did. That pretty... guy is in the start. He's the one okay. who doesn't want to sign the loan paper. Yeah. He's, oh, okay. he's one of the, one of the loan sharks, uh, men. But the, the point is he, he, I love he runs outside and he just 
screaming women. <laughs> <laughs> He's so mad. And that's when he goes to the, the station and just pours oil all over himself. <laughs> yeah. I'm so mad. My niece doesn't want to marry me. Oh. Yeah. Well, because this one does have a bit of a love triangle. Yeah. Because his co-worker is in love with him. But he's only in love with his niece. Yeah. But uh, they they explore the possibilities with his powers pretty well, I think, from there. For instance, you know, uh, he shows up by traveling through the, the plumbing, comes out into the bathtub. Yeah, that's a, that's a great scene when she's running the bath and just oil. Yeah, they do something similar in Ghostbusters 2. Which is what that immediately reminded me of, uh, and the fact that the bathroom is completely pink, and in Ghostbusters too, the stuff coming out of the tub is all pink. That's a, just had that kind of symmetry for me. Are we saying Ivan Reitman definitely saw the oily maniac? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It is interesting that you say what you just said because I had the feeling they could have done more with the concepts of an. Oily man, oily maniac. It's the unfulfilled potential of sequels. Yeah. But I will say one thing that I noticed in that scene, and it's, you know, it's like a one or two second shot, is when he comes out of the tub and they're shooting him from a low angle to make him look scary and everything. But I could see the top of the set mm -hmm. and it was just plastic stretched over. And uh, that, that's, <laughs> that that's just houses in Malaysia. Yeah, okay. They didn't invent roofs in Malaysia until the late 70s. Yeah, when they had their first green. <laughs> but, man, that, that... I think the sequence is kind of terrifying. But, again, the the guy that's in the um, that's in the bed in the, in the room next over, he's so silly that uh, this has to be being played for comedic effect. He even passes out at the end of the scene. You know, it's just a goofy little moment. Yeah, there's another great uh, scene where they explore his powers when the, with the car, when there's he's getting revenge for someone, and they're they're also they're getting it on in a car. Everyone's getting it on in this car. It's such a horny movie. Nobody tells you how horny the oily maniac is. Not the maniac himself, but the movie. Very horny movie. But yeah, they're getting it on in a car, and he just starts like covering the car in oil. Basically, he's just liquid, completely immersing the car. It's a great scene. I love that shot. I really should. The oil dripping down the windows. Yeah, that's like they should do more with that. I feel. Yeah, that's why I felt like they did explore it quite a bit. Not that you know to the fullest extent. Yeah, but at least have one person slipping on some oil. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, they do give him but, the G. Renat. Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, G -G -G what the fuck am I trying to say? I don't know. When he sprays the oil. No, when he like heals himself. Regenerative. Regena. Oh, regenerative. Regenerative. Yeah, they give him regenerative powers, but those effect looks horrible. That's the same. That's the other one where they just just. There's like a picture of of oil that they just pasted on top of the film, and be like, oh, uh, and then his head is back. 
cut his yeah. arm off and it melts and it's back. So uh, almost like a it's pre special effects special effects. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, speaking of regenerative, go to the gynecology scene where apparently the crime, as it were, is that they are restoring women's hymens so that they appear as virgins. Ah, is that I was wondering what they were doing. Because it's yeah. set up with the scene where the lady comes to the loan shark and is like, my boob is ruined, and she just shows this. Well, there's one real boob, and then next to it's this super fake, scarred Freddy Krueger boob. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was like part of like revenge for that. I didn't fully understand it because it's like the loan shark is his enemy, also. But then the lady goes yep. to the loan shark and is like, I want you to get revenge on this lady who gave me terrible breast surgery. And then the oily maniac goes and gets revenge for the lady, and I was like, "I don't, I don't understand what, 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 what he's doing here. What, why would I, he?" I, I think he's going after the people who are colluding with his lawyer boss. Yeah, I think that's definitely it. But what they're saying, because he trashes the entire clinic, yeah, and I think that yeah. the justification is that they're they're crooked because they create a fake uh, semblance of reality. Okay. Well, that's the scene with the great head stomp where he just... Yep. It's like, well, just like half a second shot, but you just see he just crunches her head into bits. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, in that scene, when he jumps down from the ceiling and they have uh, a random uh, medical jar... <laughs> Well, blocking view of the lady on the on those straddles, um, that uh, just pure Austin Powers for me, and uh, that I just kind of laughed. He flips the betches on as well, yeah. which is just funny as hell. He just well, jumps into the room, saying that, and he just well, they make a point of saying table. that she has uh, she she's she's been um, but numbed basically like an epidural type from the waist down, so. And he flips her, you know, that she can't stop herself, which is just this goofy image. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, uh, the other hilarious thing is that when he runs away, the bad guy gets in a high-pursuit chase with him on a bicycle. <laughs> so cool. Just uh... every choice in this movie. I'm like, that is the funniest possible way you could have done that my favorite thing <laughs> is when a superhero movie has a bicycle chase like yeah. this albert pune's captain america uh the italian batman porno just all the best ones have bicycle chases <laughs> yeah. as, as a dutchman i'd like to see more bicycle riding in films there you go yeah. it's just you know what it's better for the environment yeah unlike this oil by the way um did you guys catch the name of the lawyer boss? No, what was it? When we, we when we are first introduced to him, to the law firm, uh, we've shown a plaque that says, We do fat, double T. But on the glass doors, we can clearly see, let me see, a woolly fart. <laughs> <laughs> Two different names. Yeah, they're taking of, this and one of them seriously is fart. when they made it. 
I really yeah, like they, it. Yeah. They're just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Also great is that it's you know, it's silly, but everything is like in character, so like the the loan shark guy instead of going to the cops, he tries to just blackmail him. Yeah. This guy that's turned into a freakishly strong oil monster, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna blackmail this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think my I also love how the police or no, I, I think well maybe it's the bad guy just uh they just uh, have this alternate idea. It's like, no, no, it's just a normal guy who's covered himself up in oil so he can escape faster. <laughs> will make him uh, harder to catch. He's slippery. This one is slippery. Yeah, like some kind of athlete just, just rubs baby oil on his arms to make him harder to hold. Yeah. Like uh, Tom Hardy in Bronson. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's uh, another. Nicholas Vindingreff probably did see Oily Maniac. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that would fit his character. Yeah. <laughs> the the funniest it's one thing, thing to see yeah. this movie, another one to to like hold it in reverence. Yeah. The the funniest thing to me in this movie was uh when he jumps really high. Yeah. And it's just him jumping off of things but reversed. Yeah, it's clearly they just uh, they just dropped the costume off. Like a crane, and then yeah. they just played it backwards. <laughs> that shot is great. When he's oh, yeah. uh, yeah. attacking them at the dock. The blackmailers, yeah. yeah. Well, when he's at the dock, the, the first thing I noticed was that you could see the wire pulling him out of the water. Oh. Oh, so they didn't I actually just... looked for it, but I didn't see it. Oh, yeah, I just assumed they threw the suit in the water and played it backwards again. <laughs> Yeah. Did they you watch could have done that? Did you watch it in HD? Yeah, yeah I have uh, a I have a Blu-ray of it. Uh, I watched the DVD version. Okay. Uh, disappointingly sparse uh, Blu-ray release. They usually do more stuff on it. No, like I'd really like a commentary on this one or something. Yeah. But there's no. You can only choose subtitles on or off. That's the only thing. They've, they've uh, improved improved their bonus feature offerings. So what do you think of the uh, look of the oily maniac? Well, he, he's a goofy-looking motherfucker. So. I think he looks a lot like the, the shit monster in Dogma. <laughs> so Kevin Smith saw this one as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm saying everybody has seen this yeah. movie secretly. Nobody's <laughs> talking about it. This is actually the most influential movie of all time. It's just <laughs> nobody wants to admit that they've seen it. Whenever he does those leaps off of things, I just feel like it's a missed opportunity for him not to just splat into a pile and reform every time. Yeah, I feel like does... if they had just yeah, if they had some better effects for doing that, it'd be really great yeah. I'm just disappointed that he doesn't leave black marks on everything he touches like yeah. that that would have been to wobble <laughs> but it only happens a few times yeah like the first guy he kills he leaves lots of black marks on the guy's neck but then he takes the white sheet puts it over the girl and there's no oil stains on it hmm he does Man. leave a considerable mess back at the the gynecology office. Well, yeah, in yeah. his own house. <laughs> the gynecology office is going to take a while to clean. 
But yeah, they should have made like mm. um, just a physical blob that they could move around. Yeah. Yeah. Or just poured some oil or something black paint on him before shooting, so it'd still be actually dripping. <laughs> yeah, he's very. I would have liked to see that. He's very dry, to be made yeah. out of oil. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh. It was uh, it's a bit Terminator 2, kind of, but I guess. Or what? What was that show? There was a show on TV in the 90s about a girl who was made a. could be made liquid. Really? Uh, post off yeah, in the comments if you remember what that show was called or if I just <laughs> made that up. Well, back in the 90s when they started getting really into using that, C that early CGI morph uh, effect on everything. I'm guessing it was probably from that era. Yeah, I would assume so. So, yeah, uh, our lead guy goes from beating a man to death with a bicycle to having an awkward curry dinner with <laughs> another gal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. like the peak of the love triangle scene where yeah. he's like, oh, she made me curry. Have you ever tried curry? It's amazing. And you're like, I also made you curry. And she cries because she, <laughs> she had made curry, and he loves curry. I don't. It seems very weird to get so emotional over curry. The other girl is also called you. You need to know that, otherwise, that sentence you just said doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> you said you just made me curry, but you made me curry as well. Oh yeah. Well, who's on first going on here? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You on, on first. first. Yeah. yeah. More like at it. this point you. At this point, the girl already knows that he's the maniac. Yeah, she puts it together because she goes to check on him and she touches the fence outside his house and there's oil on it. Yeah. And that pretty much does it. And then she invites him for dinner. Yep. As you do. Uh, that TV show, which was called The Secret World of Alex Mack. Oh. Ran for four yeah, seasons. Yeah, she... And then she became a cult leader or whatever. No, that's Allison Mack from Small Will. And Police Academy oh. 6, City, City, City Under Siege. It's not the same person. Ah, listen, the names sound exactly alike to me. Yeah, no, that was, it was she was played by someone called Larissa Olejnik. Never heard of them before. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but for legal I'm reasons, I'm not the only one who butchers names. Yeah, for legal reasons, Larissa Olenik is not known to have run a cult that we know about. Well, I'm signing up. <laughs> yeah, but so Ed, that's when it starts. Like this is when it starts turning into a tragedy, because the the Lone Shark henchmen have left a a note for the other girl, the the other you. Yes. Not little you. Well, yes, also, little you. The Kali okay. girl has figured out their plan, the bad guy's plan, because she went back to get her umbrella. She overheard them talking. Yeah. And at the curry dinner, she tells him about it. Uh, that does lead to an interesting question I have. Um, do they make all women's clothes out of paper <laughs> over there? <laughs> yeah, because this is because they holy cow. They trick her to coming to the or 
the factory. Yeah, the coconut oil factory. And, oh boy, what a really unpleasant scene to watch. Uh, yeah, there's some more sexual assault. And, uh, yeah, then afterwards when she realizes what's happened, or his cousin commits suicide with she rips her own throat out with a giant hook. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, And then he, it's the the scene just the the mood of the entire movie just flips on a dime. Yeah, it really does. This is when when it turns in starts turning into a into a tragedy from there on out where he's like, "Oh, okay, maybe maybe becoming a, a maniac that murders a bunch of criminals wasn't the best plan. I do think yeah. that this scene also has the most interesting choice filmmaking-wise. That while all of this is going on, we are constantly seeing the oil coming from the pipe. So yeah. I was I was constantly thinking, okay, he's going to come out now, when he's going to stop it. Uh, the exact same it. thought. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me actually a bit uh, to refer back to previous episodes. Uh, uh, I saw the devil in the like uh, when the hospital, the nurse doctor's office scene, where you're just waiting for him to. Okay, are you gonna? Are you actually gonna intervene yet already? Or but of course in this one it turns out that he he's not aware of it until well after the. It's way too late. Yeah. But it gave me similar vibes from I was just like expecting, can you just please show up now? Please? Yeah. yeah. Please show up and kill them now? But no. Yeah. Yeah. And her killing herself was all part of the plan. The bad guys' plan. Because the guy at the beginning with the loan shark who starts dating a girl called you, his friend rapes her after... He gets her to the factory. Oh yeah, yeah. He's smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. He's and they have a drink together. Yeah, yeah. Because then she sees them together afterwards, and that's when she kills herself. Yeah. So maybe she inherited part of the factory or something, and they just needed her gone. Generally, not sure. What leads him to, I guess. You know, again, you know, keeping it uh, thematically on point, he, that's when he jumps in the boiling oil. Yes. Where it's like, okay, when the character is at his, like, angriest, so they put him in the boiling oil. I love the, the there's, like, I don't know, there's like 20 guys and they're all trying to stop him. <laughs> yeah, and this is when he becomes, like, truly the, the maniac part of it. Before he's, yeah. like, he's got some kind of control. But then, well, he's slipping already. Yeah, but then, then he comes to his his other love interest, basically with a knife, and he's like, "Please kill me, I I don't want to go on murdering everyone." And she's like, "Eh, what if you just please kill just a couple of more people, and then we can talk about it." <laughs> but she just convinces him to continue your murderous rampage for a bit longer. There's like one or two more people you need to get to, and then we can stop. But yeah, then he. But, uh, he Goes on a full rampage, then uh, attacks the loan shark. People in the car. Yeah, and then the loan shark in his mansion, and we get like the big action set piece fight of the movie. Yeah. Which is 
it's pretty cool. There's a bunch of people hacking, hacking the oily maniac with machetes. Yeah, yeah. And we also get to see that he has a heart or something on the outside of his body. Oh, that we see immediately. Yeah, I yeah. was, I was looking at that the entire time because yeah, like, like, oh, I didn't know what it was. They're gonna get him. That's his weak spot. Yeah, yeah. Because when he, nope. uh, in his, uh, when when he becomes the oily maniac for the first time, when he emerges from the oil well in his living room floor, uh, <laughs> it's there's a close up of the exposed heart actually. So they, ah, they set okay, that yeah. up immediately as like, ooh, is this like his one weakness or something? Yeah. Of course, it turns out his one weakness is quite logically fire. Fire. Yeah. It takes ninety minutes for someone to think of the idea. Well, what if we try to this man made out of oil what if we try to just stop him by setting him on fire it turns out it's very effective <laughs> yeah 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 because then after killing pretty much everyone and he goes to meet the, the guy the fake love interest slash henchman cigarette guy at the palm oil factory yeah. Coconut. 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 Jesus. Uh, and, uh, well, then he, he wants to defeat him as himself, basically, without the oily maniac. It's kind of his goal. But then the guy keeps shooting at him, and he hits all the oil tanks, <laughs> and oil just spills yeah. everywhere. And so yeah. he turns into the oily maniac again. But sadly, he's lost it now. He's lost full control. He keeps attacking the cops. Well, the cops are attacking him as well. Yeah, but like his love interest there, it's like, please stop attacking the cops. And then instead she just sets him on fire. Yeah. After he stomps the uh, duplicitous boyfriend character in, the two guys that are shooting him, they run at him and try and grab him. And that, to me, is so funny because if I look at this guy, even knowing that's a suit, the last thing I would ever want to do is touch him. But <laughs> they, they, they are like, I'm gonna, we're gonna grab the oily maniac. We're just gonna grab him. Like, okay. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. look like he's nice to touch. No. No. Not like Moth. Or yeah. But even you know, beyond that, you're like, what do you think you're grabbing? Like, I assume uh, if we're to like believe in this universe's rules i assume that your hands would just go right through him because people are stabbing him and stuff and it's just going right through well when they stab him it goes right through but when they chop at him it, it stops so i don't think oh, they yeah. sat down and made solid rules for how the oily maniac works in praxis but uh either way it ends he gets burned up and kind of turns into paper mache yeah, just turns into ash and then immediately yeah. just smash cut to the end yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you really and you, know you gotta love those you, uh yeah i was gonna yeah. say you gotta appreciate that they're yeah. like you're you, you did it yeah i love those hong kong no bullshit endings just like yeah it's over smash to the end don't need anything else i think it's um very similar in like uh king who's dragging in and just like just cut the ba uh, head off the bad guy, bam, the end. Don't need anything else. Don't need any resolutions. Don't need the heroes to talk to each other. Don't need any. Oh, I'm so sad. I had to kill the man I love. Just nope. He dead. The end. 
Yep, no denouement, no, nothing. I, I love that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, any other thoughts on Oily Maniac? No, nope. I think we I think we have it covered. Uh, all my notes. We can okay. move on to some other monsters who also look suspiciously like turds. The <laughs> seven golden vampires of the legend of the seven golden vampires. Very turd-like in their appearance. Yeah, well, they're very bad Halloween costume. They're very I... brown. I loved their look. Uh, I loved the movie. Yeah. I. This movie fucking rocks. It is. <laughs> this is. Yeah. It's wild. It's. I think I would say it's objectively bad, but subjectively incredible. Yeah. Uh, famously troubled production. Um, apparently, Roy Ward Baker went over to Hong Kong thinking he was gonna shoot it all on like huge sound stages like um they did at uh, the Hammer Studios only to learn that uh Shaw Brothers Studios uh, their backlots weren't even soundproof they were largely expected to shoot outside uh they would did not record audio at the same time everything was done post sync yeah uh, they did that until the 90s yeah same as Italy and uh he was just like, oh, Jesus Christ, what have I signed up for, basically. And, uh, uh what yeah, Peter Cushing. Yeah, Peter Cushing. Yeah, Peter Cushing returns. Uh, apparently, he was extremely depressed at the time, still uh, dealing with the uh, recent death of his wife. And he basically just did this movie because he thought, oh, maybe going to Hong Kong will cheer me up and make me think about something else. And according to, like, uh, Roy Ward Baker, it did not. Like, he was like, <laughs> uh, no, Peter Cushing was very not into this, but uh, I don't know. You can't, I don't feel you can tell in the movie. I think he's great in it. Well, he's a solid enough actor. He he brings more life to this than, say, Alec Guinness did in Star Wars. Uh, that's because Alec Guinness did not bring anything to Star Wars. No man has ever hated a movie more than Allegan has hated Star Wars, I think. Yeah, but you can tell, I think, when you watch that first movie in particular, I mean, he just does not want to be there. I do not get that at all from Peter Cushing in this. Peter oh. Cushing always brought his A-game, even in Star Wars, speaking of which, he's in that, and he's he's alive in that, and he's great. Yeah. Well, it helps that his character isn't, like, supposed to be a really fun, happy, outgoing guy. No. Well, he's he's well, alive this... in one of the Star Wars as he appeared in. Yeah. <laughs> so, in, um, yeah. 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 Just also, he just references. has that incredible face. Peter Cushing's one of the greatest faces in cinema. Oh. Just those cheekbones. The man... Yeah, he's, up, he's got that, you know, him and Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. You're like, wow, wow, how do you look like that? Yeah, just I... the face was just made for cinema. I made a note about his uh, pronunciation. Oh, his rolling R's? Oh, fantastic, right? Yep. I love it. Yeah, well, so he, so, he dubbed himself. Oh, and that's fantastic, too, because um, nobody sounds like him. Even when you watch Rogue One and somebody's doing an, 
pretty decent impression actually of him but it's still not him uh, so I will say so this movie is I think chronologically the third Dracula film of the the Hammer Horror it's not the third one made obviously I think it's like the it, ninth one. Oh, I thought it was the but, fifth and final oh no there's a lot so, of them Jesus so Dracula in 1958, and then there's Brides of Dracula, which is the direct sequel, and then this takes place after that. Yeah. So the opening it takes place just a few years. Yeah, the opening is before. It's a prequel. It shows you a flashback to how Dracula managed to uh, actually evade his death, but he talks about uh, his battle from the. 58 film in this in the beginning of this movie Cushing does okay okay because the opening scene is set 100 years before the main part of the film yes so the movie takes place six years after the the 58 version even though it was filmed but it's it... I think 16 years later oh, okay but it's also because the one before this one is set in the 70s or it's the one before yes. that one yeah I don't know yeah so the, the chronology is weird, but um, basically 58 is a somewhat direct adaptation of the novel. I think it takes place in like 1898 or so. Uh, this one it has an opening that takes in 1804. So it's a, it takes place before that and shows okay. that he passed some of his consciousness off to a uh, Chinese guy. That yeah, I don't know why he, he what he thinks is gonna happen. But he shows up. He's like, "Hey, we got a problem in this backcountry province in China, and we could really use your help." And he's like, mm, "How about I just take your place instead?" Yeah. And, and Dracula, <laughs> this like, opening scene is is rude as hell. Oh he's yeah. Just talking to this guy's like, "Oh, I need your ugly ass mortal shell." He's just making fun of this guy for being ugly the whole time, and then he steals his body. Yeah, and he's no Christopher Lee. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame. Well, that's the big thing about this one, is Christopher Lee turned this one down. The only Dracula Which movie is, he turned down, I believe. Yeah, and he's, I mean, and so Christopher Lee's in, in so I think he's in like about 10 official Dracula movies. And then he showed up uh, a few more times in other movies, uncredited as Dracula. And Christopher Lee did not turn down a lot of work. The man <laughs> appeared in over 300 movies. He worked. If he with... liked a script enough, he would show up for free. Think that, and that's a real, that's a true story. Yeah, he he so worked he... with Jess Franco several times, and just so many, so much stuff. And this is the one where he went, no. Yeah, I'm not going to Asia. I was just wondering if the role was bigger when they thought Lee would still do it, but having heard this, nope, probably not. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I'm not sure. Did they like make the role shorter because he turned it down? Did he turn it down because it was short, or was it already short because they hoped that he would sign on if he could only had to work a few days? Yeah, but the only thing that, that stops this film for being absolutely perfect for me is that Lee does not appear in it because it would have been a fantastic final uh, 
outing with Peter Cushing versus Christopher Lee. Just a fantastic ending if they would have showed up together at the very end. Yeah, and uh, Christopher Lee also tried to convince Peter Cushing that don't do this movie. I think it's beneath you. So And it is, to be fair. Yeah. But how awesome would it still have been? You know, and it's it's weird that Christopher Lee didn't, because, you know, he's not above this kind of stuff. I mean, he, he played Fu Manchu. I mean, he, he did all this kind of stuff, so I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, he even returned to play Fu Manchu in uh, his two mm-hmm. last ones, which are, like, terrible, just god-awful. And he was like, yeah, I'll do that. And this movie is uh, it's wild. But in any case, um, so I think the idea is that Dracula, uh, whatever, you know, however you want to, like, bend your cannon to fit this and make it work, he is still at the castle in Dracula so that the events of the original film continue. But his, uh, some form of his consciousness is in that other guy's body so he kind of lives on because dracula is basically a sorcerer so he can do whatever he wants and so at the end of the film you're like okay this is the the final confrontation but the the movies continue on you got scars of dracula where the blood of a bat gets in the ashes of the body of dracula from the first film and so he gets resurrected again and then he dies and then he comes back a hundred years later in 1972 um you know they they just keep going with the series in weird ways but uh since this one takes place technically in 1904 they're you know it's it's the third one chronologically well i like to imagine that christopher lee watched this and that's why he never turned on work again is that it was like oh yeah should have done this one. It's so good. Why did I not do this? But I also like the implication uh, that he did read uh, Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf, and was like, this is great art. I need to appear in this. Uh, that movie... <laughs> God, there, where, there's a, another... an alternate title for that movie that I love. Uh, Sturba yeah, Werewolf Bitch. That is what it is. <laughs> I think that it has so, three titles in total. Not important. So uh, this film also has uh, Sushi in it. Oh, the guy? The, no, that's no, she's the. Uh, yeah, she's the yeah, sister. She was in, yep, yeah, and she was in some of the films we talked about on the Chang Pepe episode. Yeah, she's the star of Black Tavern, for instance, which is not a Chang Pepe movie, but I talked about it a lot because it's a great movie. Um, uh, and she's also in Lady Hermit. She's yep. like the she's the second she yeah in Lady Hermit she, uh, Cheng Pei Pei is like her mentor and uh, they, that's a great one, from the director of Oily Maniac, so just go run and watch that one, too. Yep, ties it all together. But yeah, the so, uh, main uh, guy is David Chang. He's the main Shaw Brothers guy in this one. And then he has yep. seven brothers and one sister. So what we have is this movie, uh, like the excuse that they have to bring Peter Cushing in is that he's basically doing a world tour of lectures about his fight with Dracula. And he goes to China, and in a switch from the way I usually see China 
portrayed, especially during this time, uh, they are all like, you superstitious old man. <laughs> what in the world are you, what crap are you trying to bring here? They are just so dismissive of him. And the only one who believes him is David Chang. And it's, that's because he is from the village where Dracula and the seven golden vampires have taken hold. Yeah, Is he not the son or the grandson of the the farmer who originally fought the vampires or whatever the legend goes? Yeah. Well, the movie is uh, sort of misnamed because the seventh vampire was killed by this guy's grand, great-grandpa. Or maybe it's just his grandpa. Grandfather, yeah. And yeah, so the first, I don't know how long of this movie is multiple flashbacks to show that story of this guy that challenged them and killed one of them. And so the rest of the movie, there's actually just six golden vampires. Yes. In yeah, any case, uh, David the Chan. Legend, the legend oh, that Peter Cushing tells still has seven at the beginning. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, go on. So David Chang uh, tries to recruit Van Helsing and his son to come with God, them to help stop son. the vampires. I, not, I, hate, not at the I hate Van Helsing's son in this one. He is so the I'll get there. worst. He's, but he, he's he doesn't not. ask them at the lecture. No, he breaks into Van Helsing's house and then yep. asks him. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, that was the polite way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like there's no reason for him to do that other than to show the audience that he has like ninja skills or something. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. Yeah. In any case, uh, the they want they don't want to go because uh, it's going to be an expensive trip. But it just so happens that uh, Van Helsing's son has recently uh, sort of acquired the favor of this rich Scandinavian Barris. Baroness, yeah, who funds the journey, and so that's all of our characters now. Uh, I guess the gal that is the the Baroness is she was a Bond girl in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, but I don't remember which one she was. Oh, she appears in the background. She's just one of the um, like um, Blofeld. He has the whole yeah. Like, he has all the, the supermodels. Yeah, who's going to be. Uh, assassins he's training they're, to be yeah assassins. they're old manchurian candidates yeah he's got going and uh, she plays the scandinavian one i know this actress uh well she's uh she was uh norwegian uh julia Ege. she was a model who uh she won like miss norway or something and then basically went from like that whole beauty pageant circuit into having a small uh movie career at the um, this end of the 60s start of the 70s mostly in uh, she, the uk uh, she has a great look i think she looks very modern even i would say yeah well she was a model so that's you basically yeah. she cast for her looks uh but yeah she she didn't enjoy acting at all really so like just at the mid around the mid 70s she was just like Nah, whatever. And she became a nurse, I think. Worked as a <laughs> anesthetist instead. Just retired okay. from acting, like in the 70s. Good for her. Had no interest in doing it anymore. Uh, and she had virtually no career in Norway. She's 
like in like appeared in like one or two films and uh everything else she just basically appeared in cameos as herself because she was like famous for being a beauty queen uh but i don't think she dubs herself in this movie uh because there's uh, her accent is very germany yeah there is um there's no trace of norwegian in there not that I, I haven't watched any of her, like, uh, British comedies or whatever that she appeared in. If the, that is how she sounds normally. But it would be it would be weird for her to sound like this. But I don't know. I'll, I can, uh, I'll have to research it. Oh, well, I, I thought I, I didn't know. I thought that was her voice. I was like, she's actually pretty good. But uh, mm-hmm. if it's not, then I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and that's so, the, the dubbing is really good. Yeah. Well, actually, I think the everything about this movie is actually pretty well done outside of the Army of the Dead costuming. I think it's kind of cheap looking. But, again, but other it's, than it has that, its charm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. basically, yeah. before they can even leave, and when Van Helsing Jr. is walking her home, they get attacked, and we get this... This is about a half hour into the movie. We get this great action scene and this is when you realize oh that's Chang Che doing the action yeah because there is uh, there was a long standing like conflict slash rumors about who who did really direct this because Chang Che was not credited on any print of this movie uh, only like in the last like 15 years basically he started getting credited for his work on this one well there's absolutely no way Roy Ward Baker is doing that stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. All the, all the, and all later too, just all the big battle scenes at all. Yeah. It reeks of Chang Che, the high heavens. Oh, yeah. And it's great so, stuff. During that scene, though, when, when uh, they're attacked and the two brothers show up to, to help escort them, the bow and arrow guy and, and the axe guy, um, which is so rad. But, anyways, um, that's when I realized that that the Van Helsing and that gal have zero chemistry at all. Well, it, thankfully, the movie also does understand that, that and uh, like makes her quite progressively makes her a love interest for David Chiang. Actually, yeah, this movie is incredibly progressive. Like I said earlier, with the oh, the, instead of being the Chinese or these backwards people, all of them are like, we don't listen to your superstition. Even though they're wrong in that instance, <laughs> that's not how they are usually portrayed in film. Or they weren't at the time anyways when this came out. Yeah, I was just going to say, also that's the, the Archer Brothers played by Lau Kar Wing, the brother of uh, Lau Kar Lung. So oh, yeah, uh, director of... Uh, um, he, he's a director. He's did, he did Cynthia Robert, was City Cops. Yeah, he did City Cops. Yeah, he's he's well, he's great. He did uh he just yeah, he worked on Drunken Master two, Tiger on the Beat two. Not yeah, he ate Tiger and Pole Fighter and uh Return to Thirty Six Chamber. Well originally had he did thirty six degree all around. He no, he's a he's one of the great ones. So many so many good movies. And yeah, his brother also uh, not so much but legendary not so much a director, but legendary stuntman. Uh part of uh Samuel Hung's team. I think maybe he did some of um I think maybe it's him in Game of Death playing oh. at uh, Bruce Lee when the motorcycle helmet post 
after he died. I think it, think that's him. Makes sense. Write me an angry email if you think that's Disagree. not correct. If you know who played them. Well, it's probably very known who played them. Uh, but, yeah. So, I will say, in this movie, you get shades of, uh, like, Big Trouble in Little China. When David Chang basically, for a little bit, he almost becomes the lead. And uh, the movie just shines all more for it. Yeah. I love, like, there, there's a scene after the, there, there's another big, huge battle scene. And they're at this camp, and they're just hanging out, talking. And he introduces, he just, this is this brother, this is this brother. And the movie suddenly just becomes this other thing for a while. And uh, Yeah, it rules. God, it's. Yeah, you're like, what in the heck happened to the movie? It just becomes this really good kung fu battle movie. Yeah, they have this battle in a field, and uh, it's got like at least they give get like three good battle scenes in this one. It's really cool, and uh, yeah, just letting not afraid to just let them actually shine and be the star of the movie, which is another reason you definitely feel like Roy Ward Baker did not direct most of this movie. No, the Van Helsing Jr. is so ineffectual during every scene. I just he uh, he's the one guy with a gun, and he just sucks. <laughs> I just also just uh, <laughs> such a boring character, and not a interesting. Nothing's interesting about him. I don't know who this guy plays him is, but I feel bad for him. If this was supposed to be his big uh, breakout, uh, it it was not. You have been no. incredibly overshadowed, sir. No one will what remember you. What you. are you going to do when, like, Chang Chai, there's a part where he he's fighting three guys and he twists their swords together, kicks one out of one guy's hand, and then does a spinning, like, sweeping kick and, like, trips another guy. And you're just like, okay. And then it just flips to Van Helsing Jr. And he's just standing there looking shocked at everything going on. You're like, okay. What do you, <laughs> this guy, yeah. does a head roll. It's just wild. It's like, this is like, uh, you know, watching, if you watched Enter the Dragon and the movie actually was about John Saxon, because <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be like, okay, well, hold on. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I'd be like, who's this Bruce Lee guy now suddenly? Like, but, you know, Chang Che understands and he just. The other thing that is obvious that it's him is that it is so violent. Like people are getting splattered with blood, and like, yeah, this is this is awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of blood, but also because the vampires don't have blood, I guess. Yeah. But it, there's a lot of cool stuff with those too. Like uh, when they're in the cave fighting, and they got to stab them all in the heart, and uh, the dust flow coming out, and because uh, they have dust instead of blood, I guess. And, uh, and David Chang punches yeah. out or rips out one of them's like dusty old heart. Yeah. Like he just punches through his chest. Oh, I, I thought he didn't even have a heart. He punches through his ribcage and there's yeah, nothing but was, dust inside. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, that's great. Just also really cool, like decaying skeletons in that scene. Sort of like where it goes from a guy basically with a skeleton mask, but then. Right when they punch through, they just it changes to like a, a 
probably a real skeleton. Uh, and it just like really <laughs> cool, like the way they do sort of just decay and deflate the skeletons. Like it's really good looking. I th- I think they made up made up like a, a blow up doll type thing and just yeah. I couldn't it. tell when I was looking at those scenes. I think by the third like. one, I was trying to I was actively watching, trying to figure out how they were doing it. And I think what I came away with was that maybe there there's something underneath, and there's somebody pulling from underneath under the ground they're pulling back on like their face because at one point like the eyes are popping back inward and stuff I was like okay something's going on there i'm not sure how they're doing that effect but you know i appreciate that they're doing it they're they're trying to do the time lapse decay that they do at the end of the first track of the film but in a cheaper faster easier hong kong style and i think it's pretty good yeah so anyhow, um, you know, that's that's our, our the first people that they fight are actually people that the yeah it's Van Helsing uh, Jr. and the Scandinavian lady. Um, yeah, Van Helsing Jr. pisses off like a local crime boss. Yeah, and that's who they're fighting in the field. Um, so, you know, it's like I don't know, like an hour into the movie before it goes back to the vampires. But uh, yeah, they go and they're and they're in the cave and everything and then they get attacked again oh you know i'm just realizing there's like i think there's like four or five major battles in this movie yeah like when i was watching it yesterday the final uh like final battle started and i was just expecting it to okay this is another scene but then it just kept going and going and going I was like, oh no shit this is the climax it's just it's such a great such a great battle, such a great action scene. It just keeps like kind of running on and on and on. And you're like, oh, sh- holy shit! How did they put so much action into this vampire movie? It's an hour and a half long, and there's so much stuff in this. Yeah. Also, to bring up that what we were talking about earlier with Peter Cushing, he gets involved in the action probably more than the character that plays his son does. Yeah, he's he's fighting, fighting guys with a torch and. He, Oh, my favorite kill definitely comes in the cave. When he's holding the he's holding the torch and then David Chang kicks the vampire oh, into yeah. the torch. Oh it's fantastic. And like the effect of the guy burning up is fantastic. Yeah, the, the Hong Kong stuntmen aren't fucking around. Well, as we just yeah. signed the oily maniac, not afraid to just put himself on fire. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but it is I... there's so much action in this. Like you really if you if you come to this having only seen the Hammer Dracula films, you're well. This isn't your Hammer Dracula film. This isn't your grandpa's Dracula. Well, Dracula's no, not I'm, in this really. <laughs> well, I'm a you know as, as <laughs> some of you know, I'm a really big Dracula fan, and so this is just like this bizarre crossover that I happen to love because I also love uh, kung fu films. So this movie just hits all the right spots for me. Would they have? Would it have had be called like Dracula and the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires had Christopher Lee showed up, or was it always it. just kind of like they really buried the lead on the whole Dracula is in this thing? I think that not only would it have probably had a different name, but it. It would have done a lot better, and people would more fondly remember this movie 
had Christopher Lee stayed on. Because mm. this is at the end. Uh, you know, Hammer, a, lo- a lot of their productions, um, and in particular the Dracula movies, they were funded by a lot of American financiers and studios. And by this point, I don't think they were. And so they were just looking to get money where they could and Shaw Brothers came knocking and that's what they did. Yeah, because this is, it says this is one of two movies Hammer and Shaw did together, but I couldn't find out what the second one was. Yeah, I'm not aware. Hmm. But um, this is also in the part point when Hammer films, in the, when they got into the 70s, they kind of became sleaze pictures. They were all about blood and boobs, as people would always say. And this movie has that in spades. They're just like, oh, here's all the blood stuff. And then just randomly women with their paper clothes um, just getting their shirts ripped open so you can see boobs. Yeah. Also, they started getting more action-oriented because they uh, also did uh, Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, which is definitely more of a action-y movie than uh, like the old ones, Curse of Dracula yeah. and all that. But that one doesn't have Dracula, though. Just regular old vampires. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I'm I, not sh- sure, speaking of that, what the the army, like they have an undead army in this. I don't really know what they are. I, I mean, he just calls them undead. But that's what you often hear people call vampires. And I don't think that those guys are meant to be vampires. No, I think there's only the seven vampires plus no. Dracula. And there's only really six vampires because one of them died a hundred years ago. Yeah, I guess still. I guess there's still seven guys... because Dracula's there. He was sort of chilling in a castle off screen. Yeah, Dracula <laughs> sold separately. Yeah, which I I often make fun of, like the 1930 Dracula because the climax of that movie is Dracula going to sleep and then being killed off screen. But I have yeah. to say, this one maybe has the worst on-screen Dracula I've ever seen. Like, he is... He's pretty bad. He barely, barely, like, two, three minutes of screen time, and then when he shows up at the end, he just leaps onto a sword and kills himself, almost. Well, nobody shit-talks more with nothing to back it up quite like this Dracula. Yeah, he runs his mouth a lot, and then when he's in action, it's like... Nope, you just got very easily beaten by an 80-year-old man and then practically <laughs> committed suicide. Because, like, all Van Helsing is just, like, on the floor holding a stick and he just jumps onto that stick. And then yep. we get an incredible Dracula death, by the way. Like, his eyes just popping out of his face in this, like, really cheap Hong Kong uh, VFX kind of thing. It's great. Yeah. Well, they're, you know, again, they're doing the a version of what they did in the 58 one, which was probably that movie's best scene. When you see that, that Dracula goes, it's kind of a time-lapse effect, which, you know, Raimi also did at the end of uh, Evil Dead. So it's it's very similar. Hmm. I love that the spear falls oh, yeah. over after the body has decayed. When that, I didn't know what happened Rushing at first. I was like, what the hell was that? And I was like, oh, it was the spear. That was a pretty cool That's actually detail. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Attention yeah. to detail. You don't get it that often. But was, this is also... Oh, go on. No, I was just curious. Like, was that climax? Is that also 
did they shoot that in Hong Kong or is that shot on a soundstage in England because that scene is completely separate from anything else and it's only Cushing and the Dracula guy well I'd have to go back and, and re-watch because it almost felt like a reshoot yeah but there was it's just when I, it I only thought about it now actor yeah well when it turned into the other actor I was like is that a whole different room that he's standing in yeah, because that was sort of my, my feeling, too. I didn't think about it at the time, but now it's like, hmm, maybe that was shot completely separately because they could do that if Roy Ward Baker really hated uh, working in Hong Kong that much. And the final fight scene did not feel very Chang Chi choreographed. No. No, in fact, they're, like, falling, they're stumbling over the set, and <laughs> like, okay. I do think Cushing did his own stunt, though, when he was uh... Oh yeah, falling around the set. He it looked like him, anyways. What a pro! Yeah, again yeah. for a guy that doesn't want to be there, he's he's putting in a hundred ten percent. But yeah, I want to um, bring up again David Chang and the the, the blonde actress. You want to attempt um, pronouncing her name after? Not not even. Mm-hmm. How's you saying her last name? Eggy. Egga. Egga. Yeah, there's um. If there's only one one vocal in Norwegian, you really draw out the consonant. Sorry, if there's only one consonant, you really draw out the vowel. That's what I mean. Well, I love that they that they even give them that that romance. Yeah, it was honestly, it was like shocking when it happened. Yeah, because I watched this before, but even watching it now, I was like. Oh, yeah, she's going to end up with uh, Van Helsing's son, right? And it's like, oh, wait, no. No, she doesn't, does she? What's great is that no. it's like the movie recognized it the same time I did. Because uh, she's hanging out with him in that first fight scene when the other brothers end up saving the day. And he's such a puss in that scene. And then she's out back there against the wall, and they just have this shot of her with a heaving bosom just looking at the these Chinese martial artists just kick ass. You're like, oh, that's what she likes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but then they give him something to do where he, yeah. he gets into um, David Chang's sister. And because mm. earlier in the movie, he's just like, you know, I like my girls a little more, uh, uh, you know, submissive and weak. And then he <laughs> ends up having a little character growth by going, nope, I actually like this uh, badass chick. So I thought that was nice. You know, he, yeah. he, the actor is, um, he looks as ineffectual as the character is. <laughs> so, like, I guess good casting. But <laughs> he yeah. does, he is such a wet noodle. Um, and, a sh- and sadly, though, what happens with uh, David Chang. Yeah, we get another uh, tragic ending, which is uh, yeah. first, uh, uh, Yuli Egya is turned into a vampire by one of the vampires. And then when David Chang goes to see her he she bites him and he's just like oh i kill her i guess i better die too <laughs> yeah well he's gonna turn into a vampire so he's like oh, i guess i better just kill myself and that's when, again you're like yep that's chang Che. you got that uh big masculine male self-sacrifice all right doing his thing yeah well it's a real bummer of an ending it is but it is the only thing yeah. that gives the movie any real emotional heft because the rest of it is just you're just you know endorphins spiking off the action yeah 
Also, I got one detail that I really liked in this one is that the the seven or six seven golden vampires are afraid of the image of the Buddha rather than of crucifixes, which is uh, funny. I think that's cool. Uh, yeah. Cushing sets that up too. He says that the, it's just um, I don't remember if he says the word religion or spirituality that they don't like, but that it it just. You know they, they they don't like it. Yeah, and I think that's great. Yeah, because David Chang sets like up a trap for them with this. Uh, yeah, there's this giant golden bat medallion that his grandfather stole from the original vampire, and they place it at the Buddha statue. And then when they collect it, it's like it's been touched by holy water, sort of, and it's uh, cursed for the vampires now. Yeah, so it's cool. Um, cool that they just changed that up. You like uh, just run with the, it. the design of of what they're doing, uh, you know, uh, filmically. You look at the when they're yeah. So they have the big fight in the cave, and then they go, well, next time we're going to be prepared. And then they do this whole like seven samurai showdown, and I'm like, yeah, that's it's wonderful. Like whatever they're doing, the camera is moving across all of it. They have this tracking shot where the whole team's set up. Um, I am not remembering how to say that name Iega yeah sure I'll allow it her she's standing there um, not wearing a bra I got the tightest (laughs) white shirt you've ever seen on and you know she still looks badass and sexy and you're just like this whole thing is great and then the vampires just send a windstorm in and ruin it (laughs) but uh, again it goes right into a, a big huge climactic battle it's great yeah yeah i also love the the part with the two brothers yeah. who fight together and at one point they hold each other's hands and mm. the, yeah, well, up on the, the movie is way more brutal than it needs to be yeah like, I, got, I thought that was i think those are the the twins there's two yeah. twin yeah. brothers yeah and every brother has uh yeah, yeah all every brother has his own fantastic little moments. you can tell them apart mm-hmm Great. Which is good because they decided that they were just going to dress them all exactly alike. Yeah, it's all they all, have a uniform. All hand me downs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a highly entertaining movie overall. I, I definitely recommend it. This movie just just rocks Seven Ways on Sunday. It's so good. I am. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked that more people don't talk about this one. Um, I guess maybe people don't like how it leans into. It's kung fu ness. Well, I think it it's a sort of a thing where Hammer fans don't like that it's so all the Shaw influence, and Shaw fans don't really like all the Hammer influence. Instead of just being like, "This is the best of both worlds," they're like, "This is not enough of my world." Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great that's mixing what, of that's what's genres about as well. All that because you're like, they, I think they successfully do it. Yeah. It's not like there's action scenes and there's horror yeah. scenes, but they it reminds me a together. little bit of um, Army of Darkness at times. Yeah, especially like the cave stuff when they're fighting the skeleton men. Yeah, it just I think it I think it works a little bit on the same level. It's not as like obviously funny and and fun in that way, but there's this the I think the fact that they play it so poker faced and serious uh, makes it work more 
Yeah, I think unlike the the oily maniac, which feels like it is made yeah. with a certain level of intended camp, this one yeah. does not feel like it's trying to be funny. Yeah, they take it dead serious, you know, and that's why that's why in the mini in the middle of but it isn't funny huge kung fu battle, Peter Cushing is there, like swashbuckling with a torch, and you're like, you know what, this is actually awesome it's because there's no tongue-in-cheek to it they're just like yeah it's fucking cool huh yeah yeah they're right but i, I don't know I, i'm just like at this point i'm just in awe of the movie and i'm kind of gushing about it it's great yeah it's too bad they should have uh, if they made it a couple of years earlier and then got christopher yeah. lee they could have had bruce lee and christopher lee Dude, and uh, imagine that's uh I don't know what they do, were doing with what, what what to do with it, but just Lee versus Lee, I guess. Just just run with it. Something's there. Yeah, that's how. That's probably how I would marketed it. Lee versus Lee. Somehow, I think yeah. Bruce Lee would have turned that script down faster than Christopher Lee. Yeah, probably. Well, I don't know. You know, he was trying to get his foot in the door pretty much anywhere. He might have been okay with it. Well, and it's he was Shaw. Working on yeah, Bruce Lee and oh, Shaw didn't yeah. get along. Well, they didn't. They didn't want to pay him what he thought he was worth, and honestly, that was kind of their problem all along. Yeah, just long contracts on low money. Yep, but yeah, uh, great action, uh, great concept, great mix. I highly, highly recommend the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, and you know what? I recommend the oily maniac as well. Yeah, I would also recommend both of these pictures. I had a great time watching both of them. A lot yeah. of fun. Uh, thankfully, less, uh, well, rape in Legend of the Golden Vampires. Although still more topless women than you would expect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. you get. I I agree. Yeah. One person in one film, you get to see somebody's head stomped in. Another, you get to see uh, like 20 guys mash a vampire into uh, bloody mulch. So, Good yeah, stuff. highly recommend. Yeah, would. And both movies just end with uh, someone just disintegrating, smashed to the end. <laughs> yeah. Roy Ward Baker watched Oily Mania. Why well, he, he can't oh, have? He couldn't have. He couldn't He's the have one done. actor, uh, one director who was not inspired by Oily Maniac. <laughs> I guess the other guy saw this one. Yeah, that must be it. All right, I guess that wraps it up for this week. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess he'll nothing left to do but do an outro here. Yeah, I I don't think we've uh, I don't think we know what we're doing next week, so. Uh, I'll edit in a bit here where I say next week we'll talk about From Dusk Till Dawn and John Carpenter's Vampires after we agreed on that. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Great. Yeah, can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> that TM. <laughs> yeah, um, check out the Patreon where we'll hopefully have an episode up this week. Talking about action horror movies. Uh, check out the website at alloutofbubblegum.com and uh, join the Discord. 
and uh, tell us what you want us to talk about, maybe, because we're, we're open to ideas. All airs over here. Yes. Thank you all. See you next week. See ya. Bye.